Hello, and welcome to this audio edition of Philip Pusher's program notes for upcoming concerts by the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. My name is Rich Caparola. Concerts by the CSO on Thursday, February 4th, Friday the 7th, and Saturday the 8th feature Riccardo Muti and a talented cast joined by the Chicago Symphony Chorus for performances of Pietro Mascagni's melodrama in one act, Cavalry Rusticana. The performance time, around one hour, 19 minutes. Philip Husher writes, a week after the famous conductor Theodore Thomas arrived in Chicago, where he would soon launch his new Chicago orchestra, Pietro Mascagni's hit opera Cavalera Rusticana received its Chicago premiere. In the following days, as Thomas and his wife Rose settled into their new apartment on Elm Street, the founding of Thomas's orchestra, the one we now know as the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and the first Chicago performances of Mascagni's opera vied for coverage in the local papers. No event in the history of music in Chicago has been of so great import and given promise of such wide-reaching benefits to music and musicians as does the formation of this orchestra, the Chicago Tribune reported, four days after the premiere of Cavalleria Rusticana. The opera was already an international sensation. Cavalleria Rusticana had quickly conquered all the European music capitals and was now the subject of a legal battle over which producer had the right to stage it first in New York City. Early in the summer, the Tribune reported that the opera had been given in more than a hundred theaters in Europe. Never perhaps in the entire history of operatic music has a work by an unknown composer been performed in every musical center of importance in Europe in less than six months after its initial production. Germany even approves of the work of a young Italian, ran the newspaper headline over a report from Berlin, where demand for tickets was so great that standing room spots were snatched up before noon on the day of each performance. The same condition of affairs is said to exist in every city in Germany where it is being presented and nothing else is talked of in musical circles. Pietro Mascagni, a baker's son, was just 26 years old when Cavallari Rusticana premiered triumphantly at the Teatro Costanzi in Rome in 1890, thrusting him from obscurity to the very forefront of the Italian opera world, a position he would struggle to maintain for the rest of his life. Mascagni first saw a performance of Giovanni Verga's play, Cavalleria Rusticana, Rustic Chivalry is the most common translation, in Milan in 1884. When he was studying at the Milan Conservatory, he roomed with another still unknown composer, Giacomo Puccini. But it was only in 1888 that he decided to make an opera of it after reading that the prominent publisher, Eduardo Sonzogno, Eduardo Sonzogno was sponsoring a new competition for one-act operas from young composers. Puccini had submitted Le Villy to Sonzogno's previous round in 1883, but failed to win. After Mascagni finished his score in May 1889, he sent sections of it to Puccini, who forwarded it to Giulio Ricordi, Verdi's publisher throughout his entire career, and now Puccini's as well, whose failure to recognize a surefire hit was one of his rare miscalculations. It was Sanzogno who profited in the extreme from Mascagni's opera, which won the competition over 72 rival entries and was then staged as part of the prize in Rome. Within months, 
Cavalleria Rusticana was enjoying the kind of runaway success seldom achieved even by the most established of composers. Gustav Mahler, then head of the Budapest Opera, was one of the opera's earliest champions. When Mahler visited Italy in the spring of 1890 looking for new works to present, he brought home the score to Mascagni's opera, unknown outside Italy at that point, and decided to produce it in Budapest in December. Over the summer, Mahler, who was already forging a path as a composer radically different from Mascagni, Mahler had introduced his first symphony in Budapest the previous year, studied the score to Cavalleria Rusticana with growing amazement. The December 26th performance under Mahler's baton was interrupted several times by wild applause. Cavallo Rusticana was the greatest public success of the opera company during Mahler's Budapest years. A few days after the premiere, Mahler received a letter from Mascagni thanking him. Mahler remained a champion of Mascagni's work even as he grew increasingly disillusioned when none of his subsequent operas achieved the level of the first. The greatest failure was Le Machere, which opened simultaneously in seven Italian theaters in 1901 and was a flop in all but one. The dilemma that haunted Mascagni's entire career was neatly summed up by Queen Victoria's devastating comment to the composer after sitting through a performance of his 1891 opera, L'Amico Fritz, at Windsor Castle. Signor Mascagni, when will you give us another cavalleria? Chicago was the second city in the United States to produce Cavallo Rusticana. The opera was given first in Philadelphia on September 9, 1891, to a packed house. Stories of genius bursting full-grown from rags and a garret are more numerous in fiction than in history, the New York Times reported in covering the highly anticipated premiere. But it went on to point out that was, in fact, Mascagni's real-life story. At the first performance of the opera at La Scala in Milan, the composer had to be lent a decent coat before he could go before the curtain to acknowledge the audience's cheers. Three weeks after the Philadelphia premiere, Chicagoans heard Cavalleria Rusticana for the first time when Minnie Hawk's Grand Opera Company staged the work with Hawk, America's first Carmen, as Santuza and with Sebastian Montariol as Turido, a role that he was advertised falsely as having created in Italy. And less than three weeks after that, on October 16th, the Chicago Orchestra gave its inaugural concert in the Auditorium Theater with Thomas on the podium. Throughout his career, Thomas was always on the lookout for important new music to conduct. He had been hearing the buzz about Cavalleria for months, and so, before the first Chicago season even opened, he programmed the now-famous intermezzo from the opera on the second program the orchestra ever played on October 19th at a run-out concert in Rockford, Illinois. On December 4th, the touring Metropolitan Opera produced Mascagni's opera for the first time in the company's history in Chicago's Auditorium Theater. The Chicago Orchestra was in the pit, as it was for all of the Met's Chicago performances that month, with Augusta Vianesi, one of the tour conductors, on the podium. But it was a night Theodore Thomas did not want to miss. For once, he sat in the audience with his wife at his side, sharing a box with John and Francis Glesner. Emma Ames, American soprano with an opulent voice and aristocratic stage presence, sang Santuza, 
Although Ames was not known for the magnetism of her acting, the Tribune critic found her surprisingly convincing, aside from the moment when her duet with Turido is interrupted abruptly by her rival Lola, who Ames greeted with a smile rather than hatred and anger. The orchestra played excellently as a rule, Mascagni's effective and unusually beautiful orchestral score being accorded a careful and finished interpretation, the Tribune said, which suggests just how good the Chicago orchestra truly was that first season, given how little rehearsal would have been available during a run that included more than a dozen operas in the span of one month. The intermezzo was so enthusiastically received that it had to be repeated before the opera could continue, as had often happened in European opera houses. Although Mascagni himself never again equaled the success of Cavori Rusticana, it was quickly seen as the prototype of a new kind of opera to which the word Verismo, after the Italian literary movement of which Verga was a leading voice, was indiscriminately and often inappropriately attached. In the early 1890s, even Verga crossed over into operatic Verismo when he turned his short story La Lupa into a libretto for Puccini, who then declined to set it to music. Oddly, for its foundational role in the operatic Verismo movement, Mascagni's opera sidesteps the essential qualities of the literary style, emotional understatement and truthfulness for bold effects, highly charged atmospheric colors, dazzling musical exoticism, and outsized passions. When Eleonora Dusa, the great Italian actress, played Santuza in Verga's play, she was heralded for her restraint, simple without ever a shout, without ever a violent gesture, she produced highly moving effects that made the spectators shudder and weep. But restraint was not part of Mascagni's theatrical sensibility. In a letter to Verga, written in March 1890, Mascagni insisted that his Sicilian friends Giovanni Targione Tosetti and Guido Manassi had faithfully represented the play in preparing the text for his musical setting. I assure you that the libretto has reproduced your cavalleria almost to the letter, preserving in this way that color and that ambience which have made your work immortal. But the opera, in fact, offered a different perspective on Verga's drama. What was lost was the natural understatement of his language and style. What was gained, of course, was a power, concentrated emotion, and taut dramatic tension that was essentially new to opera. As a play, Cavalleria Rusticana earned a place in the history of Italian 19th century literature. Today, it is little known and rarely performed. As an opera, Cavalleria Rusticana is one of the enduring works for the stage. Its extraordinary popularity has never waned. The unforgettable cut of its melodies, the intermezzo alone, contains a theme as magnificent as any in the operatic literature. The intoxicating colors of its Sicilian atmosphere and the urgent, heart-racing pace of its drama have few equals in the repertoire. Almost all the action takes place while the Easter Mass is being celebrated in church, providing a human backdrop to the onstage drama. It was the poet, W. H. Auden, in The Dyer's Hand, who pointed out the effect of this small-town drama played out against the traditional Easter Sunday rites. 
The action of the protagonists, their personal tragedy, is seen against an immense backdrop, the recurrent death and rebirth of nature, the liturgical celebration of the once and for all death and the resurrection of the Redeemer of man, so that their local history takes on a ritual significance. Even Torito's name, a Sicilian diminutive of Salvatore, means little savior. Taking the effect even further, Francis Ford Coppola chose to intercut the finale of his third Godfather film with key scenes from a performance of Cavalleria Rusticana using Mascagni Sicilian drama as a backdrop and mirror of his own family tale, although he mercilessly scrambles the sequence of the operatic scenes in the process. Musically, Cavalleria Rusticana is not a work of innovation, despite its novelty. Mascagni's one-act tragedy surprised and gripped us because it was something quite new, wrote Edward Hanslick, the tough, high-minded, conservative critic and Brahms champion of Mascagni's time. It was not as if the musical ideas were in themselves particularly original, but Combined with the shattering events and the passionately involved orchestra, they contributed, without question, to the impression of something new. After the profound advances of Verdi's Otello in 1887, in which music and words are woven into a seamless fabric of harmonic daring and structural ingenuity, Mascagni's score is a throwback to the formal structure of the number opera. But... From its old-fashioned sequence of clearly defined set pieces, arias and duets, a drinking song, a Siciliana, the Easter hymn, the mule-driving song, Mascagni fashions a tightly-paced drama that hurtles toward its inevitable catastrophe, the celebrated intermezzo offering the only moment of respite. For that reason, the intermezzo is most breathtaking within the context of the opera, although it has inevitably enjoyed great popularity in the concert hall. In 1902, Mascagni sailed to the U.S. for a 15-week tour. He was paid $15,000 in advance, with which he quickly purchased a villa in Italy overlooking the sea where he planned to retire. His press agent reported that the composer would be paid $8,000 per week in the U.S. Before he left, Mascagni said he knew just four words in English. Yes, goodbye, New York, Chicago. He told the press he had two aversions, vinegar and music critics. Vinegar is spoiled cider, and music critics are spoiled composers. In New York, where he was welcomed at the dock by 300 Italians, he conducted Cavalleria with a discordant orchestra and an untunable tenor, in the words of the New York Times, not Mascagni, but before an enthusiastic public. There were problems with the tour from the outset. Union issues with orchestral personnel, last-minute schedule changes, there was a riot at the Metropolitan Opera House when the U.S. premiere of Iris was abruptly canceled, botched travel arrangements, accusations of financial impropriety. After appearances in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, Mascagni was scheduled to come to Chicago to lead Cavalleria, Zanetto, Iris, and William Radcliffe, the opera he began before Cavalleria, but did not finish until 1894. But on November 6th, a week before his arrival in the city, the balance of his tour was canceled. He told the American press that he was particularly disappointed 
that he could not fulfill his engagement in Chicago. But then, after a volley of new developments, including his arrest twice in Boston for breach of contract, Mascagni finally arrived in Chicago on the morning of December 20th with the nearly 100 Italian singers and players who joined him on the tour. He held an impromptu rehearsal of Cavalleria Rusticana in the Auditorium Theater at noon and stepped into the pit at 3 o'clock for an afternoon concert, which concluded with a performance of the opera. The intermezzo had to be repeated, and so did the drinking song. It was nearly 6 o'clock when the final curtain fell. The shoddy performance, the Tribune said, was memorable only because Mascagni was on the podium. After a concert of opera scenes the following night, the remainder of the tour was cancelled. Mascagni will go back to Italy a broken-hearted man, ruined in health and pocket, the composer's attorney told the press. It was estimated that the composer lost $20,000 from the troubled tour. Mascagni stayed in his Chicago hotel for a few days to recover from throat trouble and nervous prostration. I think this will be my last visit to America, he said. In the last four decades of his life, he wrote another eight works for the stage, but it was Cavalleria Rusticana alone that kept his name alive. Program notes by Philip Husher on Pietro Mascagni's Cavalleria Rusticana. I'm Rich Caparella. Thanks for listening.